generally, especially management consultants, are kind of considered very much like bad guys. The tradition is that they come in to fire people. Hello and welcome to the Make an Impact podcast with me, Heidi Fisher. Marianne Moore is the MD of Justice Studio, which she set up after becoming jaded with the values deficit in traditional consultancy. Her work combines business efficiency with social justice, and it's had a real impact on public policy, as she explains in this episode, which also covers the difference in earning income from intervention and prevention, how so many broad issues intersect, her approach to measuring her impact, and what's next for Justice Studio. Here's Heidi interviewing Marianne. Hi, Marianne. I'm so pleased and excited to have you here on my podcast today. Could you tell me a little bit about Justice Studio and what you actually do? Yes, of course. Um, hello. It's very nice to speak to you today. Justice Studio is a consultancy and research organisation. We work with charities and governments, both in the UK and internationally. And essentially, we provide professional services So we work with organisations to help them improve their strategy. We help them look at their impact and we do a variety of evaluations and help with monitoring and learning so that they can work out kind of what's working and what's what could be improved and um, and kind of how to basically provide the best services to the people that they are helping to serve. What made you set up Justice Studio? I set up Justice Studio partly because I was quite frustrated by the places that I was working. So I went into consultancy quite soon. As I kind of came out of university, consultancy was was the first job I had really. And I worked in an international development consultancy. And then I worked for kind of big public sector consultancies. And I worked for kind of smaller consultancies that were working with charities and I think in all of the different places that I worked I just had a bit of a frustration that for some of the kind of really big corporate ones they didn't really care about the end beneficiaries of of the the people that they're working with so they um, had kind of moved into the charity sector and government sector more as another kind of route to, to market and route to kind of more profit rather than because they really cared about you know the impact that these organizations were trying to um, achieve. And so I felt that there was a a bit of a values um, deficit there. And then in some of the other places I worked, um, I felt very much like as a kind of young, very enthusiastic and very passionate person, I kind of felt a bit dampened down by those places. And I felt that they didn't kind of ride on my passion. They kind of tried to fit me into their box and kind of do what they wanted to do. So I think I wanted to basically set up a place where I would really, really like to work that kind of really gave me all of the things that I was looking for in a job. But then more widely, I also wanted to try and create an organization that would would kind of be a different kind of organization within that sector and provide a real alternative to what was out there already and a place that would combine you know, some of the good things of corporate consultancy, so helping organisations to be more efficient and more effective, but also coupling that with the values of social justice. Um, And I wanted to create somewhere that people would really feel that their interests and their passions were inflamed, you know, rather than dampened down. Wow, that's beautifully put. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I, I love the the words and the language that you've used in that description. You you talk about a, a different type of or different kind of consultancy. Consultancy gets a pretty bad name. It's got a pretty bad name for itself. How? Do people come to you expecting the same kind of consultancy that they might get elsewhere? Or, you know, how do you set those expectations? Yeah, I think you're so right. <laughs> consultancy has a really bad name. I mean, I think generally, especially management consultants are kind of considered very much like bad guys. You know, the, 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 the tradition is that they come in to fire people, you know, and, and that lots of money is spent on them and that nothing really gets um, improved. So they really do, I think, have a very bad reputation, especially within the charity and government sector, where I think there is a lot of suspicion about, you know, what would a consultancy do? Um, and I think for me, even though I kind of knew that there was that reputation, I still see the value in consultancy because I think essentially consultancy is about almost being more like a kind of therapist to an organization where you're really helping them to to kind of reflect and to to look at things from an outside perspective and help them to be able to to see where where things are going wrong and how that they how they can improve so I do think that there's a there's a value in it but I think it's kind of got a bad name along the line because of the values and in terms of of kind of what people expect I mean I think the majority of people who come to us know um, you know, that we are avowedly different. But I do think that there is a suspicion generally in the sector about whether or not consultancies can can actually help or whether they're just out to make a buck. And it's exactly that kind of perception that I want to change. And I think it's important that consultancy changes um, in order to stay relevant. Um, mm. So that's quite a key thing for me. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that, that always comes up is around capacity building and and the the sector needing more capacity building what what's your views on on the that phrase and and how it actually gets implemented across the sector <laughs> is it, are you laughing there <laughs> yeah I think capacity building is quite uh it, it feels like quite a patronizing term doesn't it I think yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you use the term capacity building because, well, hopefully most people will know what you're talking about when you say it. But the the idea behind it is that you're not relying on anybody outside, that the organisation itself is left stronger than when um, they first worked with the consultant. So, I, I mean, in terms of the principle behind capacity building, which is that it's meant to... Um, kind of enrich the skills of the people within the organization and help them feel better able to tackle the things that they would meet in their everyday job and to kind of leave them feeling more knowledgeable, feeling more confident, um, yeah, stronger. I think all of these things are really important. But but yeah, I think the way it's delivered can feel quite patronizing and can feel a bit like a, a kind of, we are building your capacity as like a kind of a doing something to people whereas actually what it should be about is about that more coaching type experience where you are bringing out the best of an organization kind of I mean this is partly our part of our purpose our organizational purpose is to 
help organizations that we work with be the best that they can be. And I think that's really essentially what capacity building should be about. Um, it should be about helping those organizations to really be aligned to their purpose and to be as, you know, as, as much of that organization as, as they can. I love, I love that as well. Be the best you can be. <laughs> Brilliant. You you mentioned in the introduction when you first were talking about Justice Studio that you do a work around impact and evaluations. How do you measure your own impact? Yeah, I think that's a really, really interesting question. It's something that we have been um, reflecting on a lot, actually, because one of the key things that I want our, us to be as Justice Studio is to make sure that we're not hypocrites, right? So um, I think it's very important that if we're helping organizations to be able to, to measure their impact in the different projects that they're working on, that we can also measure our own impact. But in terms of measuring our impact, sometimes it can be quite tricky because we are the secondary organization. We don't work directly with the beneficiaries. We work, or the service users, um, we work with the organization itself. And so very much our impact is based on kind of how that organization perceives themselves having changed or um, perceives them themselves being better able to meet the needs of their beneficiaries. Um, so it's something that, yeah, I wouldn't say that we've got it completely right yet because, because it is quite intangible. And I think sometimes we can... Um, yeah, I think we, we can we can be very constrained by the types of projects that we work on. And, you know, if we're if we're working on an evaluation and um, and we kind of report to the client about what has been found in this evaluation, we don't necessarily know what happens after that. We don't know if they've kind of changed their program or if they've um, stopped their program or if they've started or if they've done more of it. And, and I think in terms of kind of following up and understanding how much impact we've had, I would say that we need to do more in terms of understanding, you know, that. Fair enough. That's a, a good answer in that it's a work in progress. You talk about um, your, your clients in terms of um, public sector, charities. What, what are the, the, the main types of, of you know, set, is there a sector specialism that you work in? Yeah, we have kind of a few main areas of, of thematic or technical expertise, I would say. So first of all, we we worked originally a, a lot in in child protection and child justice because that was something because because we started out as being just me. Um, that was very much around my my technical skills and also the criminal justice system. So I've kind of worked a lot in that and then kind of the intersection between child justice and the criminal justice system. And then as we've gone along, um, we're kind of coming up to our 10th birthday now. We are, we've broadened out. So we, we work much more generally within social justice as a whole. And um, we work in gender justice. Uh, we work a lot in safeguarding as well. So we've developed quite a unique methodology because we've been working with the Foreign and Commonwealth Office to look at safeguarding within aid and ensure that there's a kind of strategic approach rather than a reactive approach to abuses that could arise, arise in aid. So that's something that we've developed along the way and that we're, we're pretty proud of because that safeguarding approach is, is very holistic. It takes into account the environment as well as what's happening within an organisation at a leadership level 
right down to the impact that certain projects have in the community. And um, and I think we've done a lot of work in, in the homelessness sector. Um, we've increasingly been looking at racial justice. And what we what we do really is is kind of look particularly at groups of people who are less heard or who are have been kind of structured out of the system and aren't really getting um, their views um, recognized and and being and and not really being able to kind of influence how policy works or how how projects are working. So we try in all of our projects to really enhance the voices of those service users and and help our clients to be able to see how can they improve things for them. There's some really big issues in there. You're you're trying to save the world (laughs) (laughs) single-handedly. When you were talking about the safeguarding and international aid and then homelessness and criminal justice, child justice, and and it was like, oh, my God, these are huge issues. And then racial justice and gender. (laughs) It was like, wow, you're definitely on a mission. (laughs) Yeah, and I think the the thing is, is that once you are quite deep in in whatever justice issue you're looking at, you realise how much it intersects with other things. So as I said, I kind of came from a background of being very, very, very passionate about, about children, about children in the justice system. And, and the more you kind of look into these areas, you see just how much it, it then intersects with so many other things, you know, homelessness and racial justice is kind of key to those things for children. And, um, and kind of the, the broader discriminations that people are facing, they, they, they all interlock so, so perhaps, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of the things that can, can make this work quite intense, but it also makes it really, really interesting because we are able to come from a perspective where we can understand those intersections and, and kind of really see how can you, how can you change things? How can you change the system and how can you change policies so that they don't forget these strands? Um, and and don't ignore the nuances within within these themes and topics. Mm. You, you, obviously, you've mentioned about the the changes within the the safeguarding around international aid. What other types of policy changes have, have you seen happen as a consequence of your work? I wouldn't be so grand as to say that it's <laughs> just just down to you but you know let, let's let's in in terms of what what have you contributed or or perhaps influenced then <laughs> <laughs> well I think this is really actually where we're planning to go next because um if I'm if I'm completely honest with you for the last 10 years what we've really been doing is is heads down working on projects for our clients um, and kind of deep diving into these different issues. But we haven't had such a public profile and we haven't been, we haven't been able to um, so far to translate our ideas up to the, to the higher echelons as it were. And this is really where we're heading now because what we've seen, especially within the consultancy world. And as we were talking about, you know, there's a kind of these big, big consultancies out there we we've seen for example in projects that we've done particularly focused on the criminal justice system whereby these big consultancies have quite a lot of influence about um kind of taking the government down certain roads where 
if we had been part of the conversation, we would have not recommended it, if you see what I mean. So we, mm. we've been part of work for the Equality and Human Rights Commission, where we've helped them to investigate more deeply into certain policies and things that have been um, done in the criminal justice system. And we found it frustrating because we're, we are, we are the, you know, the thematic experts in this. And yet we kind of feel a bit like we're kind of seeing the problems, analyzing the problems, but, but actually this didn't need to happen in the first place. And so our, our kind of current state or our kind of next goal as an organization is to raise our profile and raise our influence and use all of the knowledge that we have to be able to, to be an alternative voice in those corridors of power to be able to influence policy and and donor decisions higher up um, and and to be able to to kind of suggest different ways of doing it so that so that they don't just spend money on something and then realize a couple of years later oh they shouldn't have done that that's that's made a mistake we want to be able to kind of be a voice um, at, at an earlier stage and be a counter to those really big consultancies that might be more profit driven um, around the table. I totally agree with you. One of the things that that always comes up in my mind around consultancies or anyone is is when when you start to follow the money you you realize that a lot of the money goes into the intervention rather than the prevention because intervention will will provide an ongoing stream of money whereas prevention won't how how do you start to challenge that that kind of perspective on things to to actually shift the the way that decisions are made it's probably a big question <laughs> but but what are your thoughts around that <laughs> yeah I think this links a bit to what you were saying you know what we were talking about with capacity building because you know when capacity building isn't really working it's when an organization is kind of reliant on another organization to kind of keep helping them um but actually genuine capacity building would be if if they don't need that organization anymore, if they don't need that consultancy anymore, where they feel actually we've kind of, we've been, um, you know, we've, we've been enhanced in some way and, and we don't necessarily need to rely on them. And I, and I have a really big problem with, with work, like work for work's sake. I, the, I see that there's a lot of, a lot of this, which I think is also part of, part of it. It's kind of just, let's just make money because we can, Let's just let's just work because we should work, and people forgetting about what the point of the work is. You know, what's the purpose behind it? If it's not actually, if it's not actually helping anybody, or if it's not actually serving a, a purpose, or serving a broader purpose, or kind of contributing to something bigger, I don't think that there's any point in doing it. I think an awful lot of of yeah, an awful lot of consultancy for sure can be scrapped, and and nobody would have. Um, any any problems from that and and an awful lot of just general work I think particularly also in 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 these sectors could be scrapped and and, and I I want generally for more organizations particularly government organizations and charity organizations to to really self-reflect about what is the what is their purpose of existing um you know you, you set up a charity what is what is the purpose of that charity why are you doing that work and what what do all of the different bits in your charity 
um, do and how do they contribute to that purpose? Because if they don't, I don't see the point in doing it because it's not serving anyone. Mm. I've always had a belief that your your ultimate goal should be to close um, rather than than just to sustain yourself. And and very often we see with charities um, that they they move from from trying to be a solution to how can we sustain all the people's jobs that we have exactly yeah yeah I I think that that there is a certain point in organization's life when it does get to that where it's where it forgets what it was what it was set up for and it's kind of clinging on when 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 it may not need to or um yeah or maybe not changing what it what it what it needs to do in order to kind of better fight for that original purpose because I mean the sad fact is is that we (laughs) I can't see a lot of you know charities or or government organizations needing to close soon because there's so much inequality in the world and there's there's such a a problem with 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 social justice that that there's clearly a need for things to change but but I think it's kind of what you know reflecting on are the things that we're doing actually genuinely working towards that ultimate goal um, and if they're not, let's be brave enough to do something differently. Or as you say, be brave enough to say, well, you know, right, we should just close. It's um, it's that that kind of courage, I think, that we need more of. Um, otherwise, it's it's stagnation, I think. And, and, and that's a real shame. Definitely. You talk about influencing um policy and and decision making it it sounds like you're you're going to move into a career in um politics <laughs> is is that where where you you'd like to be or is is it more just of the the influencing side are you going to be the next um well let's not say the next Boris Johnson but the, <laughs> the, the, the next way better version than him <laughs> I no, I, I actually don't. I don't have any plans myself to to be in politics. I I think that what we're trying to do as an organisation is just try and get our voice up a little bit higher um, and 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 get it in there earlier and and be a real counter. I personally would think that politics looks like a very stressful occupation, um, and I think that politics suffers from a lot of. The problems of work for work's sake, you know, kind of let, or let's shout about something for shouting about its sake. Um, let's argue about something to show that people, you know, show people that we, you know, are alive or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think that there are kind of a lot of issues within that space, and um, and that there's a, a, a lack of kind of courage and bravery there too, because there are so many there are so many things that politicians could do. You know, they have they have this power and they have this influence, and yet so many of them are just trying to keep themselves in a job rather than, you know, rather than making some really, really fundamental and far reaching decisions. And um, yeah, I think, I think I, I, I'm, I'm saddened by the lack of integrity there. And I think it would be very stressful to be a politician. <laughs> so I won't be a politician. Fair enough. Where can people find out more about Justice Studio? Are you on social media? What's your website address? Yes, we are. We have a website at www.justicestudio.org and we are on Twitter um, at Justice Studio. We're on Instagram at Justice Studio and we're on LinkedIn as well. 
so yeah any any of those channels oh we're on facebook as well um with justice studio so yeah any any of those channels you can find us on brilliant is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners i think just especially when you're thinking about setting something up or social entrepreneurship or 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 just kind of making changes I just think that it's really important that everybody remembers to kind of follow their inner wisdom and their inner knowing and their inner passions and and kind of forget about what anyone else is doing and just really be driven from those kind of like inner voices that tell you what is right and and what you can do and what you really want to do and are passionate about because I think as long as people are being true to themselves then we're going to have better organizations and um and yeah hopefully hopefully more social justice as well fantastic end it's been really really fascinating talking to you today marianne and hearing about your passions for social justice and changing the world so thank you for joining me yeah it's been really really good to talk to you thanks so much you've been listening to the make an impact podcast with me heidi fisher heidi fisher's second book is out now Impact First, the social entrepreneur's guide to measuring, managing and growing your impact is an easy to follow but effective impact measurement and management approach for social entrepreneurs serious about making change who want to prove it. Follow Heidi's advice and by the end you'll know what to measure, how to measure it and what to do with the data you collect. That's a winning recipe for success with your social enterprise or purpose-led business. Go to makeanimpactcic.co.uk for details. Thank you for listening.